Hello and welcome to the South American Football Show on the World Football Index. We're back with a roundup of a very exciting week of Copper Libertadores action as the group stage really starts to take shape with every team having played for three games. I'm your host Adam Brandon for this show and I'm joined by two familiar voices on the South American Football Show and that's Simon Edwards and Tom Robinson. First I'll come to Simon to see how life is in Colombia. How are you, Simon? Yeah, not bad, not bad. Uh, we've had one of the longest lockdowns in the world, but it's starting to ease up and, you know, been to the gym, going out a bit more, so the world slowly starts to be returning and, uh, you know, Copa Luzador is back, domestic football back with all of its problems, but, you know, things are things are coming back here in Colombia, so difficult time, but looks like things are getting back to back to normal very, very slowly. And hailing from the most easterly city in South America, it's Tom Robinson in Norwich. How are you doing, Tom? <laughs> yeah, I'm doing very well. Um, obviously, um, very glad to see Libertadores action back in, in front of us again. It feels like ages since we've been discussing it. And, and what a great first week to to, to resume proceedings because it was, uh, I think it exceeded expectations. So, yeah, all good here and uh, looking forward to discussing the football. Yeah, definitely. I think it's been like one of the most enjoyable weeks of football um, I can remember, certainly in the Libertadores. Um, and let's start with what was an amazing game last night that we that we all witnessed between Independiente de Valle and Flamengo, with the Ecuadorian side running out five nil winners. Um, uh, yeah, I fancied I fancied Independiente de Valle to win this. For the game, but I didn't quite see them winning it by five goals. Um, you know, lots of changes at Flamengo, obviously, since we last covered them in in this show um, in the in the Libertadores with um, Jorge Jesus leaving and uh, Dominic Torrent c- coming in um, to replace him, and things aren't quite going um, as planned there at the moment, but. You know the step, the steady ship of uh, of Independiente de Valle has uh, has sailed its course, and they've got three wins out of three. They sit top of the group, um, and I said before the game, you know this could be sort of a big night for their up and coming superstar Moises Casale, and and it was certainly that, wasn't it, Tom? Yeah, he was absolutely fantastic. I think, obviously. In the past, we've discussed his maybe more his defensive qualities, but he he really showed what he can do going forward as well. You know, he was the the guy who got the opener with a with a really well timed run, sort of dummied um, over the ball, and and got the got the return pass, and and then had a really sort of nice composed finish to uh, to open the scoring. Got himself an assist later on as well, and and I think he just typified Independiente del Valle's um, approach. Really, the way that they they really looked after possession. I think it was about sixty percent of the possession they had, and and they just pressed um, Flamengo into submission. It was, I mean, I don't know if I'm just getting carried away, but it felt like one of those games that's going to echo through the ages. And and I mean, maybe just because of the uh, opposition that they were facing, but it, it felt there were like shades of that. Universidad de Chile um, 4-0 win uh, against Flamengo in 2011. Just the the size of the upset, the sense of a, a new force really rising um, in, in South American football. And and yeah, definitely the game of the week, probably the game of the year, maybe even the game of the decade. <laughs> yeah, even, even at 0-0, you 
um, and me and Simon were talking about just how dominant Independiente de Valle were, how well they were organised, how good their press was. You know, I, I was saying that the press was so well organised on Flamengo, it almost sort of looked like a computer game where somebody was pressing the button to trigger the press at just the right time. Um, and yeah, it was just obvious that they were going to win that game um, from quite early on. Um, yeah, they had 11 shots on target to Flamengo's two. Um, yeah, like you say, Tom, 60% of the possession. And, you know, they outpassed Flamengo almost sort of twice as many passes. So, yeah, it's it, it was a fantastic display, wasn't it, Simon? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I don't think watching the game there was any doubt that Independiente del Valle were in a good position, as you mentioned, from early in the game. It took until 40 minutes to make the breakthrough. But they'd been on top from from the very beginning. And as the game developed, you could see Flamengo trying to press. Um, Independiente del Valle always play short from the goalkeeper. They play it to the centre-backs and then they look to play it forward. Um, And you could see Flamengo at times were pressing with five players and uh, Independiente del Valle just play one pass through with the great movement of the likes of Caicedo, uh, Faraveri in front. They They would always find that pass very easily. And then there's five players out of the game for Flamengo. Poor Arau on his own trying to uh, deal with that midfield. So it was it was a really well-balanced performance by Independiente del Valle. Um, they could move it when they were up higher up the field. But once they made that breakthrough, once they broke the lines, they would they would attack with pace as well. It was a uh, it was really impressive, uh, and you know so some great goals as well uh, along in the game. Uh, Gabriel Torres with a really nice finish. Uh, Preciado, the right back dribbled all the way up to the left wing, <laughs> played a one-two and then bent one into the top corner. So it was, it was a, Independiente del Valle were just enjoying themselves. That's, that's what really uh, sprung to mind. It was a combination of expressive, enjoy, enjoyable play combined with a great deal of tactical discipline. Adam, that's something you noticed in terms of how well drilled they were. Yeah, definitely. Uh, for me, you know, they are definitely the the most organised side tactically in this competition. I, I think the performance we saw from Universidad Católica against Gremio um, was was also notable this week, and we and we and we'll talk about that later. But this felt like on another level. Um, this kind of felt like you're you're almost sort of watching a top European side uh, at times, which is not something that we you know often see here anymore in in South America is a is a team that looks like they could compete um, even at that level maybe we're going a little bit over the top time time will tell but for me this was this was definitely one of the most impressive performances I've seen um, from from a side in this competition for for many a year yeah I would agree as well and and I mean what do we think about Flamengo on on the other side of things do is it a case that they're just still struggling to adapt to Torrent's style of of play or um you know because they they did have a poor start to the Brasileiro but they seem to be getting back into some some sort of form of yeah but getting back into their old rhythm a little bit there and 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 maybe I kind of thought is this that that kind of criticism we had of Flamengo last year of being able to steamroll a Brazilian opposition but maybe struggling against other nations that kind of set up in a different way you know they they struggled against Emelec last year in the final against River they 
you know, they were fairly outplayed for large moments of that game. So I wonder that. And, and also one thing that I, uh, I think we should just note as well. Um, if you look at Gabby Goal's um, heat map <laughs> yesterday, I think it was uh, firmly in the, in the centre circle. I think he had six touches um, doing kickoffs again and, and only two touches in in independent in his box which uh, really shows you how well they, they nullified his game as well yeah definitely and I, I think it was always going to be a huge task to follow the work of Jorge Jesus the, the the Portuguese head coach who led them to you know glory in Brazil and on the continent last year it always felt like it was almost the impossible job to, to follow him but yeah it'd be interesting how much time the Flamengo board give him um, see see if they're patient enough to see if uh, Dominic Durant's uh, plans sort of come to fruition but yeah I can't at the moment it's, it's difficult to see and I, and I think a result like that will sort of send shockwaves through the club won't it um, just a word on some of the other key performers for um, Independiente de Vey last night. Um, Gabriel Torres, um, the, Panama, the Panama striker up front, he he was superb. Again, he's been such a good signing for, for this side. Yeah, he does miss some chances. You know, he's, he's not perfect in front of goal, but he just seems to suit their style so well and, and he just gets enough chances in this side. Um, to score the goals, and this is a player that was, you know, written off as a failure here in Chile at Universidad de Chile at the start of last uh, last year. Um, and Beda Casero, the, the the left back for Independiente de Valle, had you know probably the game of his life last night. Um, you know, scored a goal, set up another one with a superb run, and uh, yeah. It was and on and on the right side as well. Angelo Preciado, um, a player we've we've liked before on this on this podcast and uh, and picked up before. He also had a great game. Um, so yeah, it's uh, it's going to be fascinating to see just how far this side can go in the competition. And the uh, other game in this group was played right after this one and. Um, and, that, and it was between another Ecuadorian side, Barcelona, uh, and they faced um, Junior of, of Colombia. And Simon, the, the Colombians finally finally got off the mark in the, in this competition with a with a two one win. Yeah, yeah, it was a good win. I think um, there were spells where they kind of lost their way a little bit, um, but overall, I think it was a well deserved win for for the Colombians. Um, a goalkeeping a goalkeeper goal is always great to see. Uh, continuing the great South American tradition, uh, Sebastian Vieira's got about four or five across his career. Um, he also has a a symbol on his shirt as opposed to a number which you love to see he's like he's like prince um with the angel wings on his back which kind of form a one but you know that's always his his go-to thing and he put a free kick under the wall i think it probably should have been a red card as well uh the commentators got a bit confused um in about the sixth minute through on goal hacked down outside the penalty area and they were talking about oh yeah but you can't double double punishment all that kind of stuff and the truth is that only applies in the penalty box. So I think he was very lucky to just get away with a yellow. 
Um, but yeah, uh, Vieta stepped up and uh, faked to bend one over the wall, slipped one underneath, bottom corner, and, and a lovely start for Junior. Uh, Christian Goldman um, then uh, equalised with a really nice run and a little dink finish over the goalkeeper. Um, but Junior, you know, quickly kind of re-established themselves and, and looked pretty good. Uh, Didier Moreno was a bit sloppy with his passing in the in the middle of midfield. Ines also looked very dangerous on the left. Um, and also, uh, Teofilo Gutierrez came off very early in the game with an injury, which was a, a big blow for Junior. But Borja looked lively throughout, and um, it wasn't a vintage performance. But Arrojo aside, Arrojo was very impressive for Barcelona, very quick and he got quite frustrated as well, but he was looking very dangerous. But him aside, I think Junior looked pretty good for their win. Um, Borja eventually got the winning goal in the 70th minute with a header. A uh, bit of drama late on, but but Junior hung in there and, and picked up a, a big win. It looks like they're probably going to struggle to get close to qualification still. Um, you would expect Flamengo to improve. But, you know, with Colombian tides struggling so far in the competition, it was it was nice to get a win, uh, particularly away from home. So, you know, a good night for Junior um, this week in the Libertadores. Simon, I was yeah. going to quickly ask you um, about Luis Perea, the, the manager. I hadn't noticed that he was um, in charge of Junior. What, what's the, the view of him there in Colombia as, as, as um, well, someone getting into their managerial career? Are there high hopes for him? Yeah, he he started off at uh, Leones de Itagüí, so a small team, and and he's really just making uh, a name for himself here in Colombia. Uh, kind of a small sample size. He's had one low profile job, and I think he's only likely to be a temporary manager there at Junior. But he is someone who has been been you know there's some high expectations. You know, he he carries himself well. He speaks very well. He seems to have a good understanding of the game. So. It's early days, but you know he looks like one who could become a, a decent Colombian manager in the future. Yeah, Tom, I, th- I think you called this one when Barcelona lost um, Fidel Martinez mm. to to China. Uh, you know, you, I remember you saying that you just didn't think that this side had much to offer beyond him. Yeah, he, I mean, he was so good in the early stages um, of of the Libertadores. I always thought it was. Um, impressive that they'd, they'd managed to tempt him back to back to Ecuador and he's someone who's who's clearly good enough to to play abroad and yeah now that he's um, headed off to Shanghai Shenhua uh, I think uh, Barcelona um, are, are really going to struggle and and they're I mean they're always going to be in a in a tight spot in this tough tough group um, but I think that was just the, the nail in the coffin really so unfortunately we're not, I don't think we're going to see too much more of Barcelona in the in this uh, in this competition which is a shame because they have entertained us over the years but uh, yeah that that's uh, that's definitely a killer blow to their chances. Okay well that's group A wrapped up we're now going to move on to group D that's D for dog um, where River and Sao Paulo also played out quite an entertaining clash by the sound of it last night. I must admit I missed this one. I was watching a game on the other side at the same time. Tom, do you want to run through what happened in this one? Yeah, so it was it was a really enjoyable game actually. I think um, which was which was impressive given that you know River have, have not played football in in so long and and Sao Paulo obviously flying quite high in the Brazil uh, Brasil uh, so yeah it was it was even it was pretty high quality for, from both sides I think River probably um 
shaded it, but um, I don't think they'll be too upset by by the fact that they only came out of it with a draw. Um, so yeah, initially uh, they they sort of fell behind after a, a really wayward Reynaldo shot, took a massive deflection off Enzo Perez and and wrong footed the keeper to, to make it one nil after about ten minutes. But they did respond very quickly. Uh, a nice long diag forward and and Borre nodded it down to Suarez, who, who then put through Alvarez and who squared it back from Borre, a really nice, well-worked um, team goal f- from, from River there. And there was, it was quite a lot of aggro between the two sides as well, a lot of time wasting, a few um, misunderstandings about drop balls and that kind of thing. Um, and then, you know, River was gaining a foothold in the game um, against against Sao Paulo, but, um, and they looked like they'd won it when a cross that was half cleared sort of fell down to Martinez Cuarta, who, who took it pretty pretty well for a centre-back and, and slipped in Julian Alvarez, who killed a really emphatic right foot first-time finish um, for what's, what was quite a big game for him. You know, he's he's been promising a lot over the last year and a half, but he's, he's not really established himself in the first team. And to get a goal and assist in this game, I think it could be a big year for him. So definitely one to watch there. Um, but to, to their credit, Sao Paulo did hit back. Um, I think it was Reynaldo again, who, who got down the left flank and uh, and square, who squared it for what looked like was going to be a tap-in for, for Brenner. But uh, Armani got a touch, but knocked it straight into the, the river left back and it kind of trickled in. So, Two two own goals for River, um, which is which is always un, unfortunate. But um, I think, given the fact they're playing away, it's their first game back in ages, and and the fact they played pretty well for for, for the most part, um, they'll they'll be pretty happy. And I think both clubs on four points now as well. It's not going to sort of damage their their chances too much of progressing. So yeah, uh, uh, I think yeah, a, a good game um, all round really. Okay, well, let's move on to talk about the other game in this group, which saw Uquito um, beat B Nacional 1 0 um, in Peru. Although we should say that B Nacional didn't have the usual um, altitude advantage in the, in this one, with the, with the game being played in Lima. Although I'm not sure how much of an altitude advantage they would have had against the side from Quito. Anyway. Um, Simon, um, you saw some of this. I, I saw some of this, and, and we got to say it was a fully deserved victory for the Ecuadorians. No? Yeah, absolutely. I'm surprised it, it wasn't more, uh, really. Um, Binacional are a very, very strange team. Um, from their very bright blue uh, luminous kit to their extreme altitude, which obviously they didn't have, to their odd badge and their strange collection of players. Um they obviously missed Aldair Rodriguez, who is their main striker, who's been playing very well this year and is moving to Colombia with uh, America de Cali. So that'll be an interesting move. Their main attacking outlet seemed to be Johan Aranjo, who, as we've seen in previous tournaments, can be amazing, but is a bit unpredictable and looked a little bit isolated on his own as kind of the main creative force. If Liga de Quito hadn't won this, I think they would be devastated, to be honest. Um, it was only with the one goal, uh, Zanino with a with a nice finish, running onto a through ball. Um, they, they were in control for much of this game. Um, I think Binacional are going to struggle to get any points for the remainder of this competition, particularly without that real extreme altitude, which they don't have at the moment. But it was, uh, yeah, it was, it was an interesting game, a strange game. Um, I, I think Binacional 
Lucas step behind everyone else in this group um, and Liga de Quito will be happy to pick up the three points. It wasn't as emphatic as it could have been. They weren't at their very best, but I think very much deserved the, the win. Yeah, I think Liga de Quito looked like they could be a real challenger to River and Sao Paulo in getting out of this group, no, Tom? Yeah, it's going to be definitely very tight. Quito have acquitted themselves really well. They didn't have to be at their best uh, to beat Binacional. Uh, I mean, I thought they, yeah, the Peruvians were so lacklustre and second best and everything, but they've got a good side there and, and I think it's going to go, it could go right down to the wire. I think they've, they've definitely got a chance of upsetting the apple cart and, and potentially edging one of River or, or Sao Paulo out. So it's, it's definitely a group to keep an eye on. Okay, well, let's move to um, Group C. And this was the group that kicked everything off at the start of the week. And there was a thriller in, um, in Cochabamba, in, in Bolivia, with uh, South American football show favourites, um, Jorge Wilsterman, with, of course, the legendary King Eddie Zendano in their side. They faced um, Atletico. No, it's not Atletico, is it? It's Atletico <laughs> Paranaense <laughs> of, of Brazil. Um, and the Brazilians ran out in the end, 3-2 winners with a, with a dramatic late goal. Simon, did you see this one? I did, I did, and it was it was such a frustrating night for Jorge Wilstermann. I have no idea how they lost this one. They looked good, they looked comfortable. I think they were the victim of, well, it was a, a bit of an unfortunate penalty. So they took the lead, uh, Gil Alvarez rounded the keeper from a good long pass. And up until this point, it had been all Wilstermann. They looked very comfortable, very organised, playing an alarmingly, alarmingly high line um, with uh, Eddie Zinteno there, not particularly known for his recovery speed, but, you know, he was, he was keeping things organised. And, uh, you know, then they win, they win the lead, they were looking good. And then um, Atletico Paranense got a very, very fortunate harsh penalty, um, which Lucho Gonzalez scored. And then again, uh, it looked like that had really knocked back Wilstermann and you were thinking, ah, it's not going to be their night. But then despite that, Serginho made it 2-1 uh, from a from a Jorge uh, cross. Uh, and then they were looking good. And then, you know, Christian gets a goal out of nowhere, a nice passing move. And then we're going to the final seconds and Big Walter comes on. And I could <laughs> It was apparently he has lost twenty kilograms since this since um, prior to this game because he'd been banned for doping and he'd put on like twenty five kilograms and then lost all of that weight in the last two or three months um, and yet still looked twice the size of everyone else on the pitch. Big Walter comes on and I was uh, during the game I was saying, look, this is ridiculous. Padanese have a counter attack. And he's on the halfway line as the furthest man forward. And literally everyone on the pitch runs past him before they get to the penalty area. How is this guy going to you know, make any contribution? And of course, in the 96th minute, Big Walter volleys in a, a winner from the edge of the box. So a, a fun game, um, a fun game. But I think Wilsterman will be gutted. I, I don't think they'll believe how they, they managed to lose this, at least a point. But I do think they were knocked back by some harsh decisions. Their game plan did seem to go out of the window a little bit, which had been working so well when they when they conceded the equaliser. They got back in the lead, but then um, Wilson, uh, Atletico Paranaense came back 
Paranaense did well. Uh, obviously, going there to Bolivia is never easy, and and they um, and they stuck in the game and eventually got their awards. But yeah, it was a it was a it was an interesting one. A very very Libertadores game, I'd say. Indeed, indeed. The other game in this group was one that I was watching because it involved the Chilean giants Colo Colo. They beat Peñarol two one. Before this game, I sort of bigged it up as a possibly terrible match and uh, and it wasn't quite that to be fair but both of these sides you could see um, are, are lacking confidence and lacking form at the moment uh, they're not doing very well in the, in their respective leagues um, both have sacked their managers at the start of the year and, and didn't replace them um, well Forlan was sacked more recently I should say from, from Peñarol but yeah They've failed. They've failed to re- really replace him so far, and yeah, it, it just looked like two sides which were pretty um, disorganised. Didn't have that much of a game plan going into it, and um, and sort of were relying on individual talent to to get them through. Um, and in the first half, it seemed that the Uruguayans um, were were going to take the three points as Colo Colo were offering very little resistance and I should say that Palestri put Benyurol 1-0 up in 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 the first half with with quite an easy tap in after Cortez the Brian Cortez the Colo Colo goalkeeper had saved a shot um he he wanted to get up but he was blocked by his own defender <laughs> from getting up so so couldn't get up and it left um the 18 year old Palestri to to tap home for for 1-0 um, yeah, and at half time, I was very pessimistic about Colo Colo's chances, but yeah, out they came in the second half, and um, and yeah, some really good performances um, from the likes of uh, Marcus Bolores and um, and Pablo Mucci on on the wings, um, really helped them get back in the game. Um, Gabriel Gabriel Suazo started and finished a move to to make it one one. And then for veteran forward Esteban Paredes, um, he managed to convert a penalty um, to to make it two one, and and Colo Colo just saw out the game from there with um, with Benyarol taking you know quite a few shots, but never really looking too dangerous. Cortez had a solid game in goal overall, which is good news because he had been um, he had been dropped in the in the league recently. Um, after a poor display in the Super Classical, um, so yeah, it was um, it, it, it was a very nice victory for for the Chileans in the end, and, and they sit joint top of this group um, with with the Brazilians, and, and they face them next week. Um, so yeah, that that will be that will be quite a big game because you've got to think that whoever wins that with both sides on six points is pretty much through to the next round. Yeah, for sure. It's such a tight group. Even the goal difference is is very marginal between them. So I think this is, especially with Peñarol not being at their best, um, and and yeah, like you said, Colo Colo not being in the best form as well. It's it's a real open possibility for for anyone to kind of sneak through. I don't think it will be Peñarol. They they've been yeah pretty rubbish this year and. Um, yeah, obviously, as you mentioned, Forlan going their their Twitter admin going a bit crazy <laughs> when that, when that decision um, happened. Um, but they've got such a young forward line at the moment that you can't really rely on them. And and Adam, one 
one player I wanted to ask you about was uh, was Suazo, who you mentioned there. Um, I mean, he's been rated, really highly rated uh, for quite a while. Um, do, do you think that he could still make a jump to Europe or, or what do you see kind of as his his level and, and his future at the moment? Yeah, I've, I've had this sort of debate with Colo Colo fans and, you know, when when he first broke through, I was, no, I was never really that keen on him and I think he's... I think he can be a useful player for for a manager as he as he can play sort of in a number of positions, and I do feel that yeah, if if a, if a move does come off for him, then that might be one of the reasons. He, yeah, they they may just like his versatility to sort of play centre midfield, defensive midfield, or or fullback, um, and and I think that's how he might even get some. Um, chili caps in the future, but for me, I, I don't feel that he was ever as good as as some as some made made him out to be. Um, I, I was personally never that keen on him, like I say. And um, and yeah, somebody asked me on Twitter about this the other day. You know how I see, and I just said, yeah, I, I I think you know he's just one of these Chileans. If he does get a move, it's more likely going to be to Mexico than it is to to Europe. I think. Um, yeah, I, I don't feel that he offers enough to to European football. So let's uh, let's move on. Well, let's let's get let's get Group B out of the way. So we so we've got that half of the Libertadores done. Um, and and in this group, Palmeiras. They went away to Bolivar in in Bolivia in in La Paz, so in the altitude, it's quite the task for them. Um, but they came away two one winners. Who saw this one? I watched a little little bit of it. I mean, it wasn't it was one that I kind of went back over, watched the extended highlights of. You know, a, a good away away win from for Palmeiras. You can never turn your nose up at a, a win in Bolivia, um, and you know they've got three straight wins in the group without having really to exert themselves always a really favorable draw for them i think and and they you know went about their business well um started things off with a with a penalty um really unnecessary foul on on Ronnie i think it was um and William stepped up to to give Palmeiras the lead and then an absolute textbook altitude golasso from uh, Gabriel Menino um who's one of a really good crop of youngsters at Palmeiras right now um there's him there's Patrick de Paula two good central midfielders Matias Vigna the the left back from Uruguay and Gabriel Veron up up front who or on the on the wing who's um yeah an absolute wonder kid and and um one to keep an eye on as well so um yeah amazing goal from from him one of those uh shots that just never slows down it just keeps gathering speed and uh, and hit goes into a rock, like a rocket into the back of the net um Bolivar did get one back through um Marcos Riquelme um corner flicked on and he kind of steeled in at the at the back post with a stupid stooping header but um yeah Palmeiras just did enough um Bolivar definitely had themselves to blame a little bit there for for certainly the first goal um but uh, probably one of the trickier um ties negotiated well by by Palmeiras. And the other game in this group Tom saw Tigre aside from the second tier in Argentina of course um take on Guarani who who we saw knock out Palestino in the qualifying round um uh, earlier in the year um it, it started well for the Argentines but in the end the Paraguayan side ran out 
easy winners. Yeah, the inevitable difference in quality came through there. You know, Manin gave them the lead after 10 minutes, but um, uh, yeah, they got back into it through Bautista Malini, um, who another uh, an Argentinian who's who, who's done well since moving across to Guarani. Um, and then it was, yeah, really it was Gustavo Costas's substitutes that, that made the difference in the end. Um, all, all three subs that came off the bench all went on to score. So Cecilia Dominguez, who I'm I'm never sure exactly where he's playing because I think he's off to Austin um, FC at one point and being linked to, you know, all other kind of <laughs> teams in the meantime as well. So he, he got a penalty and then um, Edgar Benitez and Angel Benitez um, got some late goals. Um, I don't think they're any relation. Um, and yeah, Guarani got a, a fairly routine win, really. So no surprises there. Tigre always um, on a hiding to nothing, really, in this group. And especially the fact that they haven't haven't been able to play any games. So uh, yeah, Guarani and, and Palmeiras, I think, putting themselves in some uh, uh, strong position to qualify from this group. Yeah, Palmeiras with three wins out of three in Guarani. With two wins out of three, so those those two at the moment looking very in very good shape, as you say. Let's move on to Group E. Um, this is a group that Internacional and Grêmio are in, two big rivals from the south of Brazil. Um, the last game that we saw in the Libertadores um, before lockdown, before COVID struck and, and stopped South American football for months, and that game ended with a with a mass brawl and, and various sendings off after a very dull nil nil draw. Um, at, as it stands, um, Internacional are on seven points, Grêmio on four points, America the Cali on three points, and Catolica are now also on three points after finally getting um, off off the mark um, after two very disappointing performances um you know pre-lockdown where they where they put in a very meek display against international in, in in brazil and then were very disappointing at home against america de cali but on uh, on wednesday night um they put in a fantastic performance against gremio ariel holland their their argentine coach the, the coach who used to manage independiente in argentina um Guided them to a Copa Sudamericana title a few years ago, and and has come from a hockey background, which is the very interesting thing about him. It seems like the the whole COVID situation and Catolica being able to train for one or two months before Chilean football came back really seems to have helped Holland get his ideas across to this group of players because they look like a completely different outfit to the one we saw earlier in the year and yeah in this game they ran out 2-0 um 2 nil winners and and it could have been more to be honest um yeah this was a very convincing display and certainly one of the best displays of the week in in, in this competition with Catolica dominating the ball dominating the amount of shots in 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 the game as well and Gremio really barely had a sniff all night. Um, another sort of young standout performer of the week was Ignacio Saavedra for for Cotolica, who 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 sat there in defensive midfield. He had at least two Gremio players on him at all times, but yeah, he still managed to finish the match 
with um, with a ninety three percent passing accuracy because he just he was just too quick for them, and that was great to see because I was a little bit disappointed with his performances at the start of the year, but um, yeah, he 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 did have a long road to recovery after suffering an horrendous injury eighteen months or so ago. Um, but now he's really looking like he's getting back to his best. Um, still only 21, I think. And yeah, he's a, he's a player I can definitely see moving to Europe in the, in the next year. Um, ahead of him, they were, were the two real star performers for, for Catolica, um, Luciano Ayer and Cesar Pinares. Um, they were, they were fantastic throughout the night. And um, and yeah, and Oed scored and and also set up one and 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 we got to say that Pinares is um, cheeky finish by um, by latching onto a, a free ball and then sort of lifting it over the keeper and and nodding it in on the line was was certainly one of the classiest goals we saw this week. Um, but yeah, this was yeah overall a really positive performance from Catolica. And um, and yeah, one that will hopefully be a platform for them to make a bit of a comeback in this group. But they probably have to beat America de Cali um, in Cali, which won't be easy. Um, and and they might have to get something away to Gremio now as well. But yeah, at least they've given themselves um, some kind of hope going into sort of the second round of fixtures in this group. Um, Tom, did you have any thoughts on this one? No, I mean, I think you've summed it up excellently there. I mean, like like you said, if it wasn't for Independiente del Valle's amazing performance, then this would have been, you know, by far and away the the best result of the week and and you know the biggest standout performance. So, really got to give uh, Catolica credit. Um, as you said, had a lot of possession. Really bossed one of the the best teams on the continent and yeah I'd, I'd echo the sentiments about Saavedra he's he's someone who yeah a couple of years ago we were all getting really excited about and um and it's it's really good to see him getting back to to what he can do again so yeah the the group's really nice and tight um with with that result and um yeah it's uh I think it's uh certainly gonna have some twists and turns yet to come and um especially if uh the the other uh, game in this uh, in this group is anything to go by. Yeah, um, I, I just meant to mention that Sam Bedri up front for for Catolica. Um, he's a player that really frustrates me as he always needs sort of a few chances <laughs> to score. And um, and in this game, he missed a one on one, then scored a, a more difficult chance, and then right after missed another one on one, which kind of <laughs> sums him up really. Um, but yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, it's uh, it's it's certainly a promising situation now for for the Chilean champions. Okay, um, the other game in this group saw America de Cali involved in a thriller against Internacional. I'll come back to you again, Tom, on this one because I know that you watched it. Um, what a game! And um, and in the end, I think the Brazilian side ran out deserved winners, but. Only just. 
Yeah, it was it was an absolute barn burner of a game, really. It was uh, after the first round of, uh, of fixtures this week. I kind of thought, oh, this is going to have to go some to to match it. But I think it was, yeah, definitely the most entertaining. Not always the because of the highest quality, but um, I think mention is under Jacho <coughs> Calet. Internacional are a very different beast from the Inter side that we saw last year. You know, in, in Argentina, he he's always played front foot attacking football throws a bit of caution to the wind and um, even though they're defensively pretty good in the Brazilian league um, they they you know showed at times that they they were capable of conceding but also capable of of scoring lots of lots of goals and and it was really a tale of two halves as well because the, the first half Inter were far superior um, they they Got a goal after about a minute through Abel Hernandez. Um, really nice cross from from Wendell on, on the left. And they were giving uh, Kali so much uh, grief down the flanks and getting balls into the box. They just The Colombians just couldn't defend it at all. And I think Abel Hernandez is going to be a really, really good signing uh, for them. He's, he's clearly that notch above most other strikers. And, and, and I think he's... He could he could uh, do very well for them, um, and then yeah, Boschilia, um, another guy who who promised a lot when he was young and and maybe has somewhat failed to deliver. Um, scored the end of a sort of second time of asking from a swift attack. Uh, Duan Vergara, who was who was definitely the best player for the Colombians, did pull one back, um, but again that chance came about from Internacional giving the ball away um, really cheaply. But um, yeah, credit to him, a nice finish and a tight angle. Um, but then just before the break, Abel Hernandez got his second, capitalising some really poor goalkeeping and defending from a from a corner. And, you know, at halftime, 3-1, I, I was saying to on the on the group chat, you know, why America the Cali this bad? I thought they were I thought they were a bit better than this. And and yeah, to their credit, they came back. Um Adrian Ramos got a goal. It was a, a free kick that kind of um, led to a header off the bar, and, and Ramos was there to head head home the rebound, um, and then Santiago, Santiago Moreno um, pulled one back from a nice sweeping attack. Again, really good work from Vergara. For anyone who's not seen him, I kind of likened him to a kind of a budget Alan and Maximan. Um, certainly, he's kind of got a similar hairstyle and 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 sort of occasionally headless, but quite exciting and direct uh, way of, of playing. Um, and yeah, just when it looked like the Colombians had done enough to get themselves a point um, from a from a really you know, bad position at halftime, um, Boschilia got his second of the night with a speculative long-range effort that took a really cruel deflection on its way in. So really harsh on Cali to, to have to lose it in that way. But as you said before, I think realistically that the better team did win. Yeah, I think um, for me, uh, Cali, you know, before this competition, I said that they had a really good attacking balance. And I think um, losing Michael Rangel has kind of had an impact on that. Adrian Ramos has often been playing as a support striker, was was playing further forward. So I think there's a lot of hopes on Aldair coming in from Bainesenal, uh, which looks like a deal that is done to give some good balance in attack for America. And as you say, it looked as though in the first half that Internacional were going to absolutely run away with this game. Uh, the Duban Vergara goal came at an important moment to kind of restore some hope for America, but then Internacional went straight up the other end and a big mess up from Chao meant that it was 3-1. So I think America de Cali can take a lot of encouragement from this at times they did look slightly outclassed but they were back in it and they 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 kept going and they 
got goals and then it was obviously a very unfortunate deflected winner for international at the end so some positives i like carrascal in midfield i think sierra's good as well so i think america still have a solid team and this group as well still looks very very interesting with gremio dropping points seven international at the top with seven but not necessarily miles ahead of everyone else in terms of the performances then Gremio on four, America on three, and Catolico on three as well. So a very interesting group, and I think uh, four teams that have shown that they can compete and pick up points against anyone uh, in the coming games. Okay, let's move on to Group F, which saw Nacional of, of Uruguay take um, another three points in this, in, in this group, um, and they now sit on um, nine points out of nine. They got an away win. Um, in Argentina against Racing. Tom, what did you make of this one? Yeah, it was a tight affair, as you as you often expect with Nacional. Um, and it was kind of really decided by a, a sort of five-minute spell where Racing completely lost their heads. Um, you know, in the first half, Racing were, were on top. Uh, ben, Benjamin Garay, um, who's come across from Man City, um, without having ever really played there, um, was absolutely magnificent in the first half. Um, but it went in at halftime nil all. And then basically there was a, a penalty about 10 minutes into the second half. It was one of those, um, well, first of all, it came from a really poor um, kick, uh, kick by the goalkeeper. Um, Nacional win it high up the field. Trezor puts in a cross and it's one of those situations where the defender's sliding across it comes off his leg and pings up onto his outstretched arm um which was it's quite harsh because he's clearly not you know not meant to hit it with his arm at all but the he's, the, the penalty's given and then uh, Gonzalo Bergesia the veteran striker another one of these classic uh, South American hitmen who's who's been around the block he's in his late 30s but he's still doing the business um, and also an ex-Racing player fittingly enough um, puts the ball d- right down the middle of the goal scores a minute later Solari gets sent off for for Racing for um for a second yellow so that makes R- Racing's task even harder and they again they the they almost give Nacional another goal by just passing straight to Bechesio, who somehow blazed over the bar. So that kind of five-minute spell really decided the game. They had a, they had a few chances to equalise. Um, they all seem to fall to this 17-year-old midfielder, Alcaraz, who, who, looks a, who looks a prospect. And Rochette was making some good saves for Nacional. But, um, but yeah, in the end, it came down to that. And I thought Nacional were solid and, and tight and can play a bit going forward. They've got loads of good young players coming through, so they're a bit different to the usual Nacional that we see. Um, and other than that, um, I think um, it was also no- notable for that. I think uh, the first ever female lines person to officiate a game in the Libertadores, which is uh, which was nice to see as well. Indeed, the other game in this group was full of drama, wasn't it, Simon? With the Peruvian giants Alianza Lima. Two new up, seemingly coasting, but then the Venezuelan side of Estudiantes de Maria came back and and won the game three two with a dramatic late penalty sealing the victory. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it was the first half. I I couldn't. It was not good. <laughs> it was not good, <laughs> and I couldn't see a goal coming from anywhere. And then suddenly, we had a whole load. We had five goals. Um, it was it was a poor quality game. I, 
for for two teams playing poorly in very different ways. So that's exciting. But no, like okay, it was a fun game in the end. So Estudiantes de Merida, full of enthusiasm. Their Argentine manager was stuck managing via WhatsApp because he couldn't get back to to Venezuela for the game. Um, so kind of understandable that they were a bit disorganized, um, but they were full of enthusiasm and they definitely had the energy. Um, they were playing some some decent football at times, whereas Alianza looked very, very sluggish. They're struggling in the Peruvian league, um, down in what 14th, 13th, um, and, it, and it really showed. So Alianza went 2-0 up, um, a silly penalty after a really good first half. Second half begins and Estudiantes give away a stupid penalty um, and Alianza take the lead. Alexi Gomez uh, scores and then uh, Jauzinho Arroe, who isn't Brazilian <laughs> despite his name, um, uh, scored a really nice goal cutting in from the left and, and hit one right into the top corner. And you're thinking, well, Alianza haven't been very good, but you know they're going to get the job done. But it wasn't the case. Uh, Edson Rivas with a really nice turn and finish from the edge of the box. Um, and then Mesa, the kind of one veteran player on the Estudiantes team, puts through a really nice through ball. Wilson Mena came off the bench and scored. And then 97th minute, a silly, again, another stupid penalty, uh, a bad mistake. And uh, Estudiantes had the chance to win. Jose Rivas puts it away and, and they got the win. So... It was a kind of a low quality game, but then suddenly we have a lot of second half excitement. All of the Estudiantes players had blonde hair, which is fun as well. So, and they had a, a nice kit. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, lots of positives, but the overall quality was pretty poor. And I think Alianza will be very disappointed to throw away a 2 0 lead against such an inexperienced side. But I'm happy for Estudiantes. They deserved, they deserved some points because they've been playing some brave, interesting, exciting football, lacking a bit of organisation, lack, lacking some experience. But, you know, on the, on the night they got the win and, uh, yeah, I would say it's deserved. Yeah, this now means that Alianza are winless in 20 games in the, in the Libertadores, which is quite a pathetic record and and their and their head coach Mar- Mario Salas was of course in charge of Colo Colo at the start of the year um, had a disappointing spell in charge of them in the end was expecting a lot better the, the year before that he had done an excellent job in Peru with Sporting Cristal so he obviously went back to Peru with with quite a big reputation but at the moment it's not happened for him there uh, at Alianza and um, and yeah, and from what I can see and, and from what I hear, you know, the club is in a bit of a mess at the moment and, and it was a difficult situation for him to walk into, a little bit similar to the one he walked into in Colo Colo, having previously been in jobs where, you know, he, he was manager of clubs which were well run in the, in the case of Sporting Cristal and, and Universidad Católica. So... Yeah, at the moment, it seems like his managerial uh, career is in decline, really. Um, I haven't been impressed with his sides for a long time now. Um, So, yeah, that's disappointing, as as I thought he showed a lot of promise as a head coach um, a couple of years ago. Right, let's, uh, let's move on to Group G. And in Group G, we have... As I just bring it up now on my screen, 
we had defense um, defensa y justicia um, who beat uh, Delphine deservedly. Uh, I watched I watched that one. Um, but yeah, they they deservedly beat the Ecuadorians three 0 It was a very comfortable victory in the end. Um, Delphine had a couple of chances on the counter attack in the first half, but apart from that, this was pretty much total domination from the from the from the Argentines um, side. Um, this is the first time I think Defensa have been in the in the Libertadores, right? Tom and and this was their first victory as well, and mm-hmm. um, and yeah, and some pre- and some impressive performances here. Like Virginia Isnaldo was a, was a player I saw plenty of here in Chile last year for Union uh, La Calera, and and he was impressive here in Chile, and he was really impressive last night uh, for me. The standout player in, in this game, and 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 uh, a man of the match for me in in this one. Yeah, they've they've got lots of good players who, you know, there's no sort of maybe standout talent in in the team. Um David Martinez at the back is is a good player. Um I was impressed by Fernandez the Rivaloni as well. He, he he did well and and Romero finishing off that excellent first goal. I think that really typified that the style that Crespo is looking to to play there at um Defensa. Um, you know, playing out from the back, really using every inch of the pitch, switching the play in a kind of swift, accurate, incisive way. And it was, yeah, a really nice team goal that yeah. um that shows that there's something to to get excited about there. Because I didn't have too much hope for them um in this uh, t- uh tournament and and certainly it was a must win game as you said. So uh yeah really Really good performance from them, and uh, again, uh, substitutes coming on, contributing with the goals, um, and uh, yeah, always impressive for a side that has a quite a high turnover of players usually. Yeah, indeed. Um, the other game in this group saw Santos um, draw nil nil with Olympia. Both these sides occupy the the top spots in the group at the moment. Santos on seven points in first place. Olympia now on five points in second place. They're, they're both favourites to progress in the group. This game, there's not a great deal to say about it, really. Santos dominated the possession, had had more of the shots. But yeah, Olympia hung in there. And despite only having 10 men for the last 22 minutes, they, they still managed to, to come away from Santos with with a point um, which they'll be delighted with and that could be a very crucial point in the scheme of things when this group is finally decided and finally let's look at group H where Boca now are topping the group on seven points um, ahead of Libertad on on six points Um, because Boca beat the Paraguayan side last night in Paraguay this game had a lot of controversy going into it, didn't it, Tom? Um, but, you know, within the first few minutes, Boca scored and that set them well on their way. Yeah, as you said, there was a lot of controversy swirling around this game beforehand because of all the the various positive COVID tests that seemed like most of the Boca uh, squad has. So there was all these doubts as whether we're, they were going to be able to play or not, if they were going to have to send you know, a youth team or all this kind of thing. But obviously they um, 
made sure that they were all fine. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I'm I'm not going to throw any scrutiny on on any medical procedure procedures there, but um, yeah, they they came across to Paraguay um, and what was you know probably the trickiest fixture of the group for them, and and yeah, really and got a really big important victory. Um, especially considering that they haven't played in so long. And it wasn't just the the fact that they got, you know, a nice solid 2-0 away, away win. Um, obviously made sweeter as it was against uh, Ramon Diaz, a uh, former River Plate legend. Um, but I think it was the manner in which they did it as well. You know, they, they were really good value for it. They were strong, solid. Um, Russo's got them playing, yeah, playing really well. And... Yeah, they've now leapfrogged Libertad up into first place. Salvio, the the star man. I think it's you really can't underestimate just how an important or how much of an important player he is for Boca right now. He he might not have been someone who was a you know a, a star player in Europe, but at this level, he's he's absolutely brilliant. And um, you know, scored two two goals. Um, the first one did well to, to get the shot away initially and then it was a bit messy and, and tapped in and the other one was a nice cut inside and finish on his left so he, he gives Boca so much um, goals with work rate um, he's, he's really good and uh, I saw a, a great headline afterwards which was a uh, uh, sort of a play on on the sort of COVID situation and, and Salvio's name of Sano y Salvio um, for non-Spanish speakers it's kind of almost safe and sound healthy and safe uh, but Salvio pun on the um the the uh the safe there basically so um yeah really good from Boca um and uh they're they're looking good to 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 crack on and um and progress and finally the other game in this group saw Caracas get an impressive win against Independiente Medellin um Simon I'm sure you saw this one it's been a really disappointing campaign for Dim, no? Yeah, absolutely. And this was this was this was really poor. Um, look, Medellin dominated possession um, as you would expect, but the defending was poor. Eduardo Ferreira, the right back, uh, scored the opener for Caracas, and he was uh, standing in the penalty area one on one with the goalkeeper, with a teammate literally standing next to him. And this is like six minutes in. How do you let a fullback and a winger both walk through on goal? Um, Caracas played well. Uh, and the second goal for Caracas, Anderson Contreras, the 19-year-old, an amazing free kick. Left foot, bent over the wall, top corner from a real distance. So Caracas, you know, deserved their win. Uh, Medellin controlled much of the possession. They were a little fortunate to get a penalty just before half time, which made things a little easier. And then just after half time, a Caracas goalkeeper mix up. He cleared the ball into his own defender. It fell to Leonardo Castro, who floated a really nice finish over the goalkeeper. But Medellin, you can see, like, they had suddenly they, they had a bit of good fortune. They got a penalty. They got a, a, a goal from a defensive mix up. And you're thinking, okay, now just finish the job, get the win, move on. You know, you can maybe start restoring some pride and then straight away another defensive mix-up, a, a deep free kick floated in and, and it kind of everyone missed it. It falls to Alexis Blanco who headers it in and and Caracas hung on and, and they did they did well to do so. And, you know, there were a lot of chances. Medellin had like 17 shots on goal, but yeah, it, not good, not good. It looks like the most um, exciting and, and likely players for Medellin are some of the kids they have coming off the bench at the moment. Juan Manuel Cuesta is very good. 
Um, they've also got Mosquera, who's on his way to to Boca, uh, who looks very interesting. But the first team is is struggling. They they have they haven't got Recaute anymore, who was an important creative force. They haven't got uh, Cano up front, so they don't really have a proper striker. So it seems like uh, you know there's a lot of frustration in Medellin as well. The fans kind of some of the fans were storming the offices and and been giving the club a lot of stick because. They've sold two of their best players and haven't really replaced them with anyone. So, yeah, not good for Medellin. They they probably should have got more from this game. Um, they had the opportunity, but did they deserve it? You know, I can't really say that that was the case. So, excellent win for Caracas and uh, tops off a really bad start for Colombian teams. You know, I've been giving some of the Peruvians some stick, but, you know, three points in all these games so far for Colombians. America almost... Restored some pride for the country, but no, Libertadores is not going well so far for the Colombians. And Medellin losing at home to Caracas kind of really was the icing on the cake for that statement. <laughs> I think not good. Anyway, you get the idea. Bad, bad day. Bad Colombia. Not good. All bad. I just want to give some more love to uh, Anderson Contreras as well. Um, obviously, Simon mentioned that amazing uh, left-footed free quick, free kick that he scored, but he also got the assist for the first and, and the third goal as well. And yeah, 19 years old, he's um, he's been doing well for uh, quite some time, and I think he could be someone who who makes a move. Certainly, at least within um, South America or maybe to MLS. Really, really good player that um, everyone should should watch out for. And uh, yeah, um, I think Caracas have, have shown that they're, that especially with that draw against Boca they had as well, that they're, they're no mugs in this competition. Yeah, I echo those thoughts on Contreras. And, and yeah, he, he won't be long in, in Venezuela. Um, I think ne- next year he will definitely be playing his football, um, either in in the Concacaf region or or in or in Europe somewhere, he's uh, he's yeah he's far too good for 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 Venezuelan football that's for sure. Okay, well that wraps us up, and it's been a fantastic week of Libertadores action. I hope that we've done it justice on this podcast. Simon, quickly, where can people find you, and do you have anything to plug? Yeah, so on Twitter at Simon Edwards SAF, um, we're also recording uh, alongside the Libertadores. We're also looking at the individual countries in South America, looking at their preparation for World Cup qualifiers, the return of domestic football. So we have an episode dropping very soon as well, um, which will be on uh, Peruvian football. We've already done Paraguay. Uh, and Argentina. So we're going to go through all the countries before the plan is before the restart of international football. So check out those. And also on the Patreon, we have some additional content um, with city guides, um, as well as a, a profile of all of the most interesting Colombian players. So a couple of, couple of dollars, you can get a whole load of extra content if that's of interest. Yeah, you can find me at TomRobo89 um, on Twitter. Um, there's a, uh, yeah, scouting spotlight podcast uh, as ever Moises Caicedo hopefully coming up soon and um, yeah a few few bits for Golasso Arcandino and uh, Y Scout uh, out there at the moment so yeah lots going on um, yeah so follow me on Twitter yeah I kind of wish that um, maybe we'd done that Moises Caicedo pod <laughs> post the Flamengo game we could have even <laughs> yeah. got even bigger on him um or at least got it out before the Flamengo game. It already feels out of date, doesn't it? Um, but yeah, it's uh, yeah, definitely check that out, and definitely check out 
the state of play pods that Simon is doing, the Argentina and Paraguay episodes were excellent. Uh, really enjoyable listen. And um, yeah, I'm looking forward to doing the Chile one at some point when I get a bit of time. Okay, um, yeah, you can find me at Adam Brandon 84 of course, and it's just left for me to say a huge thanks to Simon and Tom for joining me. A massive thanks to everybody out there listening to us. Um, rate and review us on, on iTunes or wherever you listen to this pod. Also, if you'd like more content, as Simon said, you know, you can always sign up to our Patreon or just, if you feel like it, you know, contribute to, towards our costs. And, yeah, so... A huge thanks to everyone once again and goodbye.